This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, November 22nd, 2019. And here we are, well, we're approaching the end of the year pretty fast. The last quarter, we're what, a month and a half? Well, not even a month and a half away. So we're in, that's the end of the year. 2020 is upon us, and that's going to be an election year. And election years have effects on markets. They have a tendency to do different things in election year. We'll talk about that next year. Right now, we're still in the midst of a of a, 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 a semi-rally. This week, uh, it weakened this week. But it rallied and broke above old resistance. So now we have to see if it's going to retest it. Retest the, and what I mean by retest, and go down to the previous high and then bounce. That would be a healthy sign that the uh, market's still going to be uh, moving up. So we'll see. All kinds of things being around, going on in the market, in the economy. Had some good news in economic numbers today. Maybe we can get to them before the end of the show. And, you know, because many of you are my age or around my age, baby boomer generation, I think we should mention that today, November 22nd, is the 56th anniversary of President Kennedy's assassination in Dallas, Texas. If you've never been to that place, the you know, the book depository where the shooter was, well, whatever his name, I forget his name, it's a pretty interesting thing to see, a little historical stuff to see. So I was pretty young. I, I think I was in first, second, third grade. I think I don't remember exactly. Uh, six, 1963, I would have been this. Evening. I would have been 11 years old. So uh, what? Fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. When that happened, I'm Steve Pease, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call, ask any investing questions you want. That's what this show is all about. It's a call-in show. You ask financial questions, I try to answer them for you, and try to guide you to a better, you know, to manage your personal finances better. I'm not, we're never going to be perfect. You're, everybody makes mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Um, I can tell you all the mistakes I've made. Yeah, everybody makes them. It's just that you have to learn from them and just try to make better decisions. And hopefully, we can learn to, we both learn. By you telling me about yours, I'll tell you about mine, or we'll tell you how to get get out of certain situations that you you're fixed, you know, you got yourself into, and you're stuck. I've been there too, and that makes it very difficult. And of course, the goal is for everybody to get to that to the to the 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 the, the, the point where we can live off our assets and not worry about making money anymore. Let the money work for us. That's the goal. We call it financial freedom. But it's different for everybody. But you know, as yours, you should know what your financial freedom goal is. How much money do you need to live comfortably for the rest of your life? So hopefully, we'll do that this hour. Get you to that financial freedom goal step by step, phone call by phone call. So please call the number is eight 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 ninety nine chart. We're live Monday through Friday, four to five Pacific time. We're live right now, eight 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 ninety nine chart. Okay, Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, is less than a week away, and then Christmas will soon follow. But I have, you know, I have, I have been able to squeeze in one more time. I usually don't do it in November, December, 
because of the holidays. But I do have one, I have an appointment on December 5th in San Jose. I'm going to be there all day. I have one slot open, one. So if you want to meet with me, you got to take that slot. No, and you better find, you better do that quickly because it's going to fill up and I'm not going to be able to meet with you until after the first of the year. Okay, so give me a call. Love to meet with you. I really would. Go to investtalk.com, send me an email, call me, just get in touch. Remember, um, you can call our office directly in, in, uh, in Irvine, California, KPP Financial in Irvine, California, if you like. You can do that. 888-99-CHARTER is our number, 888-992-4278. Um, let's see, where are we going, guys? Um, we have, uh, the market was up, the market was down, well, actually, the market ended up being up today, and we'll get to that in a minute, and I'm, there's talking points I have that we need to discuss, but first, why don't we go ahead and kick things off with a caller question that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hi guys, this is Rory in Sacramento. Love your show. I'd like to know about waste management, WM. I'm interested in them for a long-term hold, and I'm wondering about entry points and what you think about the stock in general. Thank you. Well, Waste Management, everybody, provides waste collection, disposal, recycling services in the United States and Canada. It is a $47 billion company, so it's a large cap company. And as long as we're producing trash and growing our trash, it's going to keep growing. Uh, it's growing about 3 4 5% in sales every quarter. It's growing uh, earnings 4% this year, 6% next year to $4.63. It's a $110 stock. Therefore, it's in the low 20s. Its P.E. ratio is in the low 20s, and its range is 18 to 28. Return on equity is very good at 29%. Has a, quite a bit of debt. That's uh, a little bit worrisome why it has so much debt. It has great cash flow, so it can handle the debt, but I'm just not sure why it has so much. I think uh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's moving right along the 200-day moving average right now, which is $110 or so. And remember, it's at $110.77. So uh, the question is, did it weaken enough, and is this is where it's going to support? Now, I would not buy it at this price. I would wait for a much a better a better pull down, and I think I would wait for in the mid 90s before I would buy it, because I think it's just expensive. That's all. Great company. It could go up from here. It could, but uh, I, I think it's a bit pricey. And so, therefore, I want to buy it at a better price, and therefore, I wouldn't buy it at this stage. As I said, I'd probably wait till the mid-90s. You know, and sometimes they don't go to where I think they will go, by the way. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball to tell you that it will definitely go to mid-90s. That's when you buy it. I'm just saying that if it did go down there, I'd buy it. I would not buy it now. And what if it kept moving up? Well, then I would have missed it. And I've missed many, many of them that way. But how many times have you bought a stock and immediately go down on you. How many times have you done that? Probably a lot. Because we a lot do that a lot. I'm trying to give you a point where it looks like there's, on a chart, support where it should stop falling when it goes there. It could stop right here at the 200-day moving average. This could be the stop. But at this point, at this stop, technically on a chart, this is a buy signal probably right in here, but the stock is overvalued, so I'm going to be patient. That's how I look at it. That's my thinking and all that. Okay? 
888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Guys, are we are not hooked up or something? Because I see no, uh, nothing, uh, you know. This is Best Talk, everybody. As you know, we're streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time and available for free download as a condensed podcast that take out all the commercials. You can browse the by topic or at investtalk.com. And you can also download, rate, and review on Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. We'd love for you to do that. And now I'm taking your financial investment questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's Friday. The weekend is here or almost here for most people. The markets have been more than interesting, and you want to need unbiased investing guidance. You're in luck. Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. What are we going to talk about today? How about some economic stats? I'll do that. How about, how about um, the tension about the China trade again? Yeah, it seemed to ease today. Talk about that, too. Did you see Tesla's truck? Um, I hate to say it, but I think that's the ugliest truck I've ever seen. Did you see it? He announced it today. And I think we need to talk about um, um, the worst The worst of a global economic slowdown may be in the past, according to Goldman Sachs. Now, I mentioned this a few weeks ago that that maybe... We've seen the weakness in our economy. Maybe a week ago. I don't remember. Maybe we've seen the weakness in our economy and we're past it. Well, now Goldman Sachs just came out and said the same thing yesterday. So, we'll, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit more. Okay? Let's go to Raj in Oakland. He wants to talk about real estate. How are you doing, Raj? Hey, Steve. I've been listening to you for so many years. Uh, great show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you listening to me. Yeah. I'm, you know, that yeah. you, you got a lot of patience if you listen uh, to me. <laughs> yeah. So my question was, uh, Steve, that I have my uh, daughter's wedding happening on my uh, backyard lot, and uh, I have a huge lot, So, mm-hmm. but uh, I wanted to make mm-hmm. capital improvements to my lot, and I'm wondering whether uh, these improvements are tax-deductible or not. Yes, they are. You should keep, and this goes for everybody, when you own a piece of property, your house, any other property, but even your house, if you make capital improvements, I don't care what they are, you put a new refrigerator in, built-in refrigerator, or a stove, or floor, or carpet, you keep those receipts because all that money is going to be deducted when you sell that house and you have capital gains, you get to use that you know, all those capital improvements. And yeah, some of them might be in the gray area. Take them anyways. I've never heard the government come back and kill or come back and tell people they couldn't take it. They, they just don't do that. Especially if you have the receipts to prove that you spent it. You know, so yeah, yeah. Capital improvements are, are, are you can deduct it. Is it a rental property? It's your house, Raj. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's house my or? house, and uh, I was more okay. asking about uh, when I do my 2021 taxes without selling the house, no. uh, and I have made these no. improvements, then can I deduct? No, 
No. Only if it was a rental property could you do it on a yearly basis, take, take, you know, deduct the, the costs of maintaining the property. If it's your own house, you only get to deduct it from the capital gains when you sell the house, from what the price you bought to the price you sell it, and you have huge capital gains, you know, you can, you can deduct it that then. But you may not need it because you have that automatic 250000 per person free capital gains you know, you don't have to pay taxes on if you're single, married, depends. But no, you can't do it that way. You can't deduct it for this year because it's your personal house. If it was, let's say you rented out your house or you rented out a room, then it's kind of maybe you could. If you rented out the whole house, yeah, that would be easy, yes. If you rent out part of the house, you know, it's an income property, you know, you got some gray area in there, Raj. Okay, but if it's just your house, no, you can't deduct at the end of the year. Capital improvements, you can't. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, let's take a quick look at the benchmarks. Oil, $55 barrels. Keeping up a little bit. Gasoline prices, $259. Of course, here, we are at $389. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, all summer is way over $4. $405, depending on where you were uh, here in California. Idaho is $298. So, Two-year treasury, 1.62. Ten-year treasury, 1.77. Squeezing just a little bit there. Gold at 1463 an ounce. $1,463 an ounce. Um, gold, I think, went up a little bit today, if I remember right. Didn't really pay too much attention. I was busy, very busy today. So those are some of the key benchmarks. But we had some economic numbers that were kind of interesting. Um, we had the market uh, flash PMI which is a quick look at the our economy and it improved and this is for this month it's called a flash because they're just looking at the first few weeks of this month this month and it was above 50 and rising that was pretty good on the next invest talk it's time for congress to pass a u.s mexico trade canada trade agreement it's been sitting on their desk forever the ceo of 3m company says yes that story Monday. But for now, I'm Steve Peasel. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with me. I'm really wanting to take questions. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk. Guess who's coming to San Jose? Steve Peasley on Thursday, December 5th, Steve will return to San Jose one more time this year to conduct his free portfolio review consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number 888-992-4278. Okay, the worst of the global economic slowdown may be in on the past, according to Goldman Sachs. Now, what's their what's their reasoning? Okay, their reason is that after the last year, this year, this year, not last, year, but this year, uh, there was a tense worry about both the U.S. and global economy. So it slowed down. Everything slowed down with the uh, overhang of trade fears and trade sliding corporate profits and geopolitical worry worries like the Brexit and everything. So the Goldman Sachs thinks that those things, you know, have already been built in the, into the economy. 
And they think that the likelihood of a trade deal with China is going to fuel a better-than-expected pitcher for our economy. Now, 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 just a day or two ago, I talked to you about a guy named Joe Davis, who's the chief economist at Vanguard. Just the opposite. He expected no trade deal to be completed. Goldman Sachs says there's a trade deal. Flip a coin, everybody. They don't know. They're guessing. Both of them. So Joe Davis of Vanguard, the chief economist, says the GDP will be more likely 1%. What do you think Goldman Sachs is saying? They're saying GDP is going to be 2.5% for next year. Much better. Which one's right? Now, you heard me say, I think, of course, I'm no expert like them, but then I always tell you the experts are always wrong. (laughs) I think that we may have seen the weakness in our economy for the time being. Now, I base this on a lot of things. Um, It looks like even the economic numbers out this week showing stabilization of the economy. Even though unemployment claims kind of are up, a little bit elevated, which is a leading economic indicator. And the leading economic indicators that came out this week showed negative 0.1%. 0.1%. That's better than it was the month before, negative 0.2%, but we have been negative, what, three months in a row? I think your fourth quarter is probably going to look pretty weak. We'll see. And one of the reasons I think that's because we have kind of a shortened holiday shopping season, too. So I think that then the first quarter probably will see better economic numbers. I think we may not see a recession. I think it's going to be pushed off for another couple of years, one, two years down the road, past the election next year. The year after that, the year after that. And I think we've seen the slowdown. Remember, I was saying a year ago that if we we're going to have a recession, it's probably late this year, early next year. See, I, I like to admit when I'm wrong, and I, I, I like to just get it out there. Because we're I'm you, you try to be right. <laughs> it's difficult. But I, I will say, I, I base that on the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Remember, they raised them in December and they turned it around. Started lowering them in the, this year three times. So I think that's what really, really did a number on our economy, stopped it from falling into recession. If you want to know, I think they did a pretty good job there. I still think they should never have raised last December, but I think they did a pretty good job reversing direction. Let's go to Sam in Dallas. How are you doing, Sam? Hey, doing pretty good, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. I'm a regular listener Thank on you. the podcast. My question Thank you. to you is about a Chinese stock, which is UXIN. Can you give some thoughts of yours on that stock, please? Sure. Let's take a look at it. I'm punching it into my software here. UXIM. UXIM. I okay, N- this is uh, I N I N. I'm sorry. Yeah, there it is. Uh, N. Uh, it is a Chinese company. Um, is it no? No, it's not. Uh, where's it out of? Huh? It's retail. It provides car e-commerce platform that enables to consumers and dealers to buy and sell new and used cars. Huh? It's called UXIM Limited. Uh, it is a $731 million company. So it's a small cap company. 
Um, it has, it's not making any money, has never made money. I lost, uh, it's going to lose 55 cents this year, another 30 cents next year. Sales growth has been pretty good, up 50 to 80% quarter over quarter, $63 million in sales. Um, let's see, it doesn't make any money, negative cash flow. I, I would not, and it's a fairly new IPO, uh, I, I would not buy it because it's too risky. What makes what, is what brought this to your attention? Why do you think it was something you would be interested in? No, I've been hearing you know about a lot of demand in China for cars right now, and this is an online rental. And uh, right. I just kind of read about this stock in multiple magazines, saying that this has got a big potential going forward in China. So before I get into this, I thought I'd take your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, this would be a this would be a really high risk play. I probably wouldn't do it. Probably wouldn't. Appreciate the call, Ham. Same, thank you. Okay, we got you got my trivia question coming up on that half hour. This year, Disney Disney has already had six yes six films that grossed over a billion dollars. Frozen Two came out this weekend. It's going to bring in a lot of money. You know that. So here's my trivia question: When adjusted for inflation, what are the highest grossing what are the highest grossing movies of all time? And what title is on top of that list? What movie? I'll have the answer on the, when we come back. 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol STLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective, financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the the language and, and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. It's another busy investor work week. You've got investment and financial questions, and Steve and Justin are ready to give you their unbiased guidance. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, so call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, my trivia question. Okay, before the break, I asked a quick trivia question. Um, when adjusted for inflation, what... Is the highest grossing movies of all time. What is the top? What Who's on top? What movie is on top? I guessed it, by the way. Films generate income from several revenue streams, including theater, you know, of course, home video, television, broadcast rights, merchandising, all that kind of stuff, right? Only 44 films have reached the 1 billion mark. 44. And the latest was The Avengers Endgame, released this year. It has brought in $2.7 billion so far. Um, okay, so here's a list of the top 10. I'll just run through them. The first one was made in 1939. 
Gone with the wind. This is all inflation adjusted, right? Inflation adjusted. Gone with the wind grows 3.7 billion. Avatar's number two at 3.2 billion. And they made that move in 2009. Did you know they're making three avatars in a row uh, all at one, all at the same time and really going to release them year after year after year? Because you oh, you probably wonder why they haven't, since 2009, why they haven't, why has there not been another one? They usually do when one's successful like that. Number three is Titanic, then Star Wars, then Avengers Endgame, then The Sound of Music. 1965, E.T., 1982, The Ten Commandments, I've seen it a couple of times, 1956, Dr. Shivago, 1965, that's $2.2 billion, Dr. Shivago. And number 10, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, at $2.2 billion. So Star Wars is on the list, different movies of Star Wars, twice on the top 10 list. Interesting stuff. I think it's interesting. I thought it was interesting when when I read that. The KPP Premium Newsletter was distributed to subscribers this morning. And, of course, clients, they get it for free. And, of course, I try to put the most current information in there. This week's information, starting off with the market conditions right at the top. So we had a good run over the previous few weeks. And I said that this week we gave some of that back. And we, you know, because earnings season's passed, so we don't have anything coming out of that. So the market's just driven by what the news is showing us. There wasn't much out there. So we had a pretty decent run. Uh, on the economic front, the numbers for October were kind of upbeat. And then we had that flash uh, PMI report this morning for November. That was pretty good, too. The only kind of not-so-bright spot is the unemployment claims at, two. I think it's two hundred and. 27,000, yeah, 227,000, uh, both for last week and this week. And that's, you know, we've had it lower than that. That's not high. Don't get misunderstanding. Don't misunderstand. That's still low. But I don't like the fact that it's been kind of going up the last few weeks. So that's kind of a little worry. In the portfolio management section, I talked about REITs. And, you know, define some of the terms that you need to know when you're discussing REITs, real estate investment trusts. And, you know, so I I think it's time that you look at some of these REITs to add to your portfolio. I think, remember, I've told you already on the radio that we might be at the bottom of our economic cycle. Therefore, you know, those stocks that got beat up, the cyclical stocks are starting to look a little attractive. Maybe. Okay? If we don't go into an economic recession, we should be back in the cyclical stocks because they got beat up this year. Anyways, okay. Um, and in the stock ideas, I had a credit card company, one of the big ones. There's only that. There's not very many. Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discovery. Kind of, you know, even though they're kind of pricey, those things. Those, uh, those, uh, those types of stocks. So it's it's on a it's on the expensive side, okay. Uh, so just be be careful. I don't know if I put them on my watch list, but I don't know if I buy them yet. And in the consumer watch section, I talk about the newest and latest scams. They come out with scambusters.org always reports on the latest scams that come out. And many times it's it's the latest scam is just nothing more than a. Uh, a revision of an old scam with new tricks they put into it. 
You know, that's really what it is. There's no really brand new scams. That's pretty rare. They just have different vehicles. Now they have the internet to help them perpetuate the scams. And they do. Well, uh, trust me, they do. And, you know, there's a lot of valuable information on the KPP Premium Newsletter. It's easy for you to subscribe. You can do it directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you'll receive a full report each Friday directly in your inbox, in your email inbox. You'll get it. And it's information, you know, that we talk about every week on the show. It's information, you know, that you could use, I think. If you're going to help try to manage your own money, I think you need to know a lot more than just what you see in the news out there. And this will help. InvestTalk.com. Go there and you can sign up. Okay, let's squeeze another call. Another question. 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin, this is Wes from Nashville, Tennessee. Love the show. Uh, good stuff here. I just had a general question. I work in the financial services industry, and I have a 401k and contribute to it, and my employer matches, whatever. But in terms of allocating the funds, just looking at different options and historically speaking, small cap value tends to outperform growth in the long haul. And just wondering why someone, I'm about 28 years old, and just wondering why someone like me wouldn't just dump everything dollar cost average into like a Vanguard small cap value fund and just let it be for 20, 30 years, whatever it may be. Uh, when I get closer to retirement, then maybe reallocate. But want to see what your thoughts are. Love the show and look forward to hearing back. First of all, you are correct. Small cap value does outperform uh, a long term, almost every other in type of index covering the various parts of the market. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying a small cap index uh, ETF or mutual fund and just leave it alone. I'd rather see you do an ETF because it's cheaper. You know, the, the management fees are cheaper in an ETF than a mutual fund, usually. And Vanguard probably has the cheapest ones out there. So if you're going to do it, you might want to do it with Vanguard. But yeah, if you can find one, and I know they're out there, uh, there's nothing wrong with that thinking. Nothing wrong with it. I'm pretty sure if you leave it alone, just keep investing, you'll do very well. Now, it's small cap. You're probably going to have a little bit more volatility you know, in other words, in a downtime, it's going to feel painful, but you still keep buying in your 401k. Keep buying it. That's how you're going to make out. Buying it when it's cheap. And it'll be over the long haul, 30 years. There'll be times when it's expensive. There'll be times when it's cheap. And, you know, my problem is I see people uh, sell out when it's cheap buy more when it's expensive. Just the opposite of what they should be doing because they're letting fear and greed make the decisions for them. So be very, very careful with that. Don't let that happen. Okay. Um, so the the weekly staffs this year, jobless gains, yeah, 227,000 uh, and expected to be 218,000. Anything below 300,000 is good. So that's always good. Existing home sales, 5.46 million. They expected 5.47, tad bit more, but it was 5.36 the month before. So it went from 5.36 million to 5.46 million. That's pretty good. And I mentioned the LEI, three-month fall in a row, down one-tenth of one percent. It was down two-tenths of one percent the week before, the month before. This is LEI, Leading Economic Indicators. 
So what's happening is it's still falling, but it's not falling as much. I have a feeling it's going to be positive, positive next month. In other words, when we get the report for November, the month we're in today, I think it'll be positive. Not a lot, but I think it will be. I do. So some that there wasn't a ton of economic numbers out, but those are some of the ones I thought was in. Besides the flash PMI I mentioned earlier, which was pretty good, and that's this month. Look at the current month of our economic manufacturing and service sector. Both of them were up. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. And and you you know as you make your investment choices, there will always be fear, always. It always creeps in. Always, it, 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 it's, it, you can't, it's hard to keep it at bay. Okay, fear. And greed's the same way, but fear is the, 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 fear is the one that seems to make people crazy. So they're the, that's the one I, side of them, the fear and greed teeter totter that I lean on, fear. So my advice for dealing with it is to define your personal comfort zone in the financial market. How much are you willing to let the market go down for how much of a reward, of a possible reward going up? And that's what our Riskalyze tool does. It kind of measures your risk-reward, where you fit in your own personal risk-reward scale. You can check it out. It's free. It only takes a few minutes to answer some of the questions. I mean, there's only like three or four questions. And it will judge, it will give you a score, it will get from between 0 and 100, a score uh, uh, of your risk tolerance. And, and a score of 80 is the risk of the S&P 500. So I'm going to give you a, 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 a gauge there, okay? And the next thing is you take a look at your portfolio and then we put that in the same software and see what kind of score you get out of that. And does it match your personal risk score? But you got to... We got it. You got to get your personal risk score first, so you're not biased by the actual score of your portfolio. See, if you got a portfolio score of 80, and you want to say, "Well, gee, I want to make sure I match that up with what my personal risk score," well, then you can adjust your your answers to make sure you come out. But that's not how it should be. You want to first know what your personal risk score is. That's at investtalk.com. Everybody, take the test. Eight 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 ninety nine chart is our number. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm calling in to get your opinion on what's happening with a couple of brokerage firms. I heard Charles Schwab is going to be buying out TD Ameritrade. So is that a good thing or not? I happen to have accounts at both brokerages. Just want to see what your opinion is. I'll be looking forward to hearing the answer on your show. Thanks. Well, what's happening is Schwab and TD, and TD is the custodian I use, by the way. 
They're very good technology. They got very good technology. Anyways, what's happening is you remember Schwab lowered the trading fees to zero. TD followed suit a week later. Then Fidelity. Why did they do that? Because they're trying to keep. They're trying to compete with uh, Robinhood and E-Trade, who you know have free trades. And so it's it, it's the competition. The competition is driving consolidation. And this is two big behemoths consolidating. So is it bad, good, what's happening? I, I don't know if I can define it in those terms. It could be a problem because less competition out there worries me. And this has taken two of the biggest uh, custodians that use uh, investment advisors and combining them. And I'm, I'm talking about my, my industry. I'm an investment advisor. And so it's combining them and... You know, it's and it's it, it makes less competition means now they're not gonna how how are they gonna squeeze more money out of this deal? Now Schwab is more efficient than TD as far as managing the funds that they have that they're holding. In other words, they make more money on the money they're holding than TD does. And so Schwab's thinking, well, if I can just get more money under management, I can be more efficient and have higher profit margin. I'm not sure what, you know, why TD allowed that. And I'm not convinced that they may, you know, Schwab may let TD operate, continue to operate under the TD Ameritrade uh, logo uh, and just have Schwab and TD under one umbrella, Schwab, but let two separate entities work and just ring out all the the double bureaucracy they don't need. I can see that happening. I don't know. But I don't know if it's bad or good. It's too young, too early. Can't tell. Okay? Good question, though. Anyways, um, let's talk about let's talk about some of the other stuff that's out there. Let's, let's, let's test your value cap perception. What is the most profitable company in the world? What is the most profitable company in the world? Do you know? Do you have a guess? It's not Apple. It's Saudi America, Saudi Arabian National Oil Company. Okay? Uh, it's the most profitable. They make about an annual profit of $60 billion. And did you know they're going to take an IPO? And the IPO is going to be worth about $1.7 They're going to do that fairly soon. Now, Apple, don't think Apple's a slouch or something. Apple earns slightly less, slightly less, okay, 55 billion, 256, 55 billion, 256 million a year, okay, okay, so anyway, how about the most leveraged company, AT&T, AT&T is the most leveraged, this is Invest Talk, I'm Steve Peasley, we have one goal here, as you know, it's always the same, to help you achieve financial freedom financial freedom. How are you define it? And of course, our work is going to continue after this break. So get your questions in. You can do it right now. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, is it time for Congress to pass the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement? The CEO of 3M Company says yes. That story, Monday. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 
888-992-4278. Let's go ahead and talk to Ash in San Jose. He wants to talk about AT&T. How you doing, Ash? Hey, uh, doing good, Steve. Uh, thanks. Uh, so just, you just mentioned that AT&T is the most leveraged uh, company, right? And uh, it's been doing good recently. Uh-huh. Uh, so just wanted to know your thoughts on investing it for... Uh, I like AT&T. Run. I like it a lot. Don't, just because it's uh, leveraged doesn't mean you run from it. You know, they bought yeah. Time Warner. That's why they're the most leveraged. They pay billions of dollars for Time Warner for the content. Remember, they're offering, uh, you know, uh, online services competing with Disney and Netflix and everything else. Yeah. So, but they didn't have any content. So that's how they got there. So I think it's going to be cash flow positive for them. But it did. They did use, they borrowed the money to get it, to buy it. So that's why it's the most leveraged. It pays a 5.4% dividend. It's not overvalued. The PE, well, they're, it's a three, they're going to make $3.60 next year. It's a $37 stock. So that's what? 10, 11 PE? 11 PE is not a high price. Return on equity is 15%. So, and, you know, you don't buy it for necessarily capital appreciation, even though it had very nice capital appreciation this year. Um, and you're buying it a little bit on the elevated side. It's pulled back the last three or four days. So I wouldn't be afraid of it. Uh, I, I just because I think you're gonna you're gonna make the dividend five point four percent. I mean, it would be nice to be able to buy it in a recession and it's you know half this price. That'd be great. But you're not probably gonna see it. The lowest price has been was last year in the last ten years, and it's a twenty six dollars. That's the lowest it's been in, 20, in 10 years. So, you know, it's at 37 now. So, it's, what's the highest it's been? 43. So, but earnings are going up consistently. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fairly priced even today. I still think it's fairly priced. Ash, appreciate the call. Thank you. That was AT&T, everybody. I didn't say what it does because everybody knows what it does. And they're spending a bunch of money on 5G. They got to build that out, you know, just like Verizon has to. And, you know, there's this cost that they're incurred. I don't think you fear too much about that leverage. I don't. 888 chart is the number that you can call and ask any financial question you want. Investors are ignoring two major risks out there. I, I don't know if I brought this up yesterday. Um, I'm not sure. I know I talked about it inside my office. I, you know, so I'm not sure if I brought it up on the radio. If I didn't, I'm going to bring it up again, and you just have to forgive me. Higher valuations in the market. Investors are ignoring it. I'm not saying the stock market is super overvalued, but it is overvalued. Okay, certain sectors are very much undervalued. Certain sectors are very much overvalued. So it could be just sector rotation from one sector to the next. Doesn't mean the whole market has to fall. It could be just various sectors falling uh, along the way and other sectors taking up the slack. But investors are generally ignoring the high valuations of the market. The other thing they're ignoring is the age of the bull market, how old it is. Okay? So there's a point where the bull market will not, will turn into a bear market. There's going to be that point. I just can't tell you where it is. No one can tell you where it is. And so you can't really, you know, time it one way or another. So don't even try. 
the only thing you can do is you can hedge your bets. You can, you know, knowing that the value, the market is high and that it's old, the bull market is old, that you can, you can just take, be a little bit more cautious going forward. That you can do. Makes perfect sense. So, one of the ways you can determine that the market's overvalued, by the way, is that look at the average dividend yield. It's less than 2% of the S&P 500. That's very low. Historically, that's low. And, of course, there's a Schiller P.E. We talked about the Schiller P.E. That's where you take the price of the S&P 500, divide that into the, the average of the last 10 years' earnings, and based on that, it's a high price. But it can get higher priced. <laughs> or maybe the E catches up with the P. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. And I will be here Tuesday. Justin will be here on Monday. And I appreciate it if you would tell your friends and family members about the show and our podcast. It's free. Everything's free. So you can download it on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play, or at InvestTalk.com. And I would like you to rate us, if you would. Have a great night and a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.